Welcome to the TSO Podcast. I'm Kathleen Kajioka from the new Classical FM. We were trying to give people information that was not being uh, talked about um, in the media, but we were all talking about it in the streets. So there's always been that about me. I've always wanted to um, help audiences uh, who don't come from an Aboriginal background to appreciate that and to understand how things are for us, you know, our joys and sorrows and uh, issues. That's Buffy St. Marie talking about her collaboration with the TSO. You'll hear more from her later in the show. But first, another TSO season is winding down, and it has been a busy one. My co-host, TSO Principal Bass Jeff Beecher, went backstage to ask TSO musicians about their highlights from the season. Have a listen. I'm here backstage with violist Kent Teeple to talk about his personal highlight from this past season. Kent? Well, the first ever fundraising concert for sick kids. And uh, when we knew we were about to do it, uh, I guess somebody said, if you have any personal times that you want to, you know, recall about, you know, with sick kids, anything at all, let us know. So I told them about my uh, almost a year in the hospital having surgeries on my feet. And um, so I started talking to Peter Ungen about this. And he said, I think, I believe we were in the hospital exactly at the same time because. While I was upstairs in, in the ward, he was having his life saved down in emergency. And we just found that unbelievably coincidental and uh, sort, of, sort of awesome in a way, really, because we're both here now making music together. You couldn't ask for anything more interesting than that. So uh, I, was very, uh, I was very pleased about that. Perfect. Thanks so much, Kent. You're welcome. Joining me now, Joe Johnson, principal cello with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Any particular concert as a highlight for you? Well, definitely there were two concerts. The very opening concert, which featured me and Jonathan Crow playing Brahms' Double Concerto. It's always so much fun to play that piece. Um, and, of course, Jonathan and I play together a lot, so uh, it's, it's always fun. And in terms of uh, the orchestra concerts, one of my favorites was earlier in the fall when we did Sibelius II with Storgards. And I think the orchestra was just super pumped up that week. Um, we always love playing Sibelius too, but this had a sort of special edge to it. It just sounded amazing. He got incredible colors out of the orchestra and incredible dynamics, and um, I just remember really enjoying playing that piece. That's a concert I'll never forget. Thanks so much, Joe. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. I'm backstage here with Vanessa Freilich, our associate principal trombone. Vanessa, if you were to pick one particular highlight from this past season, I know we played a lot of music. Was there anything that, that stuck out for you in particular? Alpine Symphony with uh, Sir Andrew Davis was really a terrific week. We had a full brass section, four trombones, two tubas, including a guest tuba player who plays in the Iceland Symphony. And uh, it was just a, a great week of music making and getting to let loose for our trombone section. Absolutely epic. Thank you, Vanessa. My pleasure. Backstage with bassoonist Sam Banks here. Sam, tell us what your favorite highlight from this past season was. You know, over the last month, we played three of the pieces that most inspired me to become an orchestral musician in succession. We started off with Richard Strauss's Alpine Symphony. I can't even find the words to describe how inspiring it was to me when I was 15 years old and I heard it for the first time. The following week, we performed The Complete Daphnis and Chloe by Maurice Ravel. 
um, which has all been a, a longtime love of mine. And then we finished with every bassoonist's favorite piece, The Rite of Spring. Playing these three weeks back to back to back uh, rekindled the spirit of discovery um, that I um, experienced just hearing all of these pieces in close succession in my teenage years and just uh, confirming for me that music was the direction that I wanted to follow uh, in my life. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. You just heard TSO musicians talking about their favorite moments from this past season. And you can see them one more time at the Buffy St. Marie concert this Thursday. You're listening to the TSO podcast. Stay with us. The season wraps up this week with 2015 Polaris Music Prize winner Buffy St. Marie. Jeff spoke to Buffy about her collaboration with the TSO and her legendary career. Take a listen. Buffy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. So you've won an Oscar, a Golden Globe, multiple Junos. The Polaris Prize is a little bit different. Tell us, how is it different for you? Oh, well, in the first place, it's not based on uh, record sales or popularity or anything. I, uh, it's intended, and I think it does reflect um, the music that's actually uh, been recorded, and that's, that's nice to know. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of things that influence uh, the success of a, of any song or album or music career, and it's nice to know that it's kind of a little bit more about uh, humanity, the ears, what the stuff sounds like, than just right. how more much the money it makes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank well, you. Yeah, that's wonderful. what I'm trying to say. Buffy, so you're joining the TSO this week. What can we expect from your, your collaboration with the TSO? Uh, well, it's also a collaboration with uh, Owen Pallett, who right. I like very, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen and I got together uh, in Hamilton uh, to go over the music, uh, and we agreed on just about everything that uh, that we wanted to put on the program. I didn't want it to be like an ordinary pop concert uh, program that I usually do, although that's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and I get to call shots. Mm-hmm. With the orchestra, I'm able to do songs like Moonshot, which is one of my very favorite songs I ever wrote, and I hardly ever get to do it, right. uh, and a few other things. And uh, uh, Owen's arrangements, uh, although I haven't heard them with the orchestra yet, so I'm kind of scared, uh-huh. uh, they're quite different from what I what I would have thought myself, uh-huh. you know. So he's been sending me MP3s of things that you do on a keyboard, but you can't really tell. So right. I'm really looking forward to the rehearsals. So you've got a good deal of trust in him that he, he's got a great great set of ears on his head, too. Oh, obviously he does, yeah. yeah. I just wish we had more time, you know. Yeah. That's always the thing when you're working with lots and lots of musicians, uh, that you don't really get to rehearse it as much as you'd like. Well, you've touched so many people, obviously, with your proud stances and activism uh, with Indigenous people. How have you seen your role integrate both sort of activist and musician? Do you see them as separate? Are they one and the same for you as an artist? They're not exactly the same, but they overlap. Mm -hmm. I think that an artist is an artist 24-7, at least I am. And the times when I'm on stage, yeah, I'm an artist, but basically I'm being an entertainer. And sometimes a little bit of a teacher, you know, in some songs, if I'm trying to uh, give the people information that they otherwise are not going to get. Because mm-hmm. as a songwriter, um, uh, uh, a lot of us in the 60s, Bob Dylan, for instance, we were trying to give people information that was not being uh, talked about um, in the media. But we were all talking about it in the streets. So there's always been that about me. I've always wanted to um, help audiences uh, who don't come from an Aboriginal background to appreciate that and to understand how things are for us, you know, our joys and sorrows and uh, issues. Um, But on the other hand, my music has always uh, been real diverse 
You know, they called me a folk singer, but they didn't know what to do when, when Universal Soldier came out or Until It's Time For You To Go came out. That's a big pop song, right? Mm-hmm. Or I would write Codine and, you know, that hadn't, what are those notes and what are those chords? So I've always um, had the luxury of being able to be very diverse um, in my music, I think because I originated in the 60s. It was a new phenomenon in the 60s to be able to hear music from all over the world, played back-to-back on radio, mm-hmm. and uh, to, um, to go to a festival, a music festival, and see all kinds of music. I mean, they were calling it folk music because that was a, <laughs> a marketing, a sales label, but it was everything. Right. And that was very good for me um, because I didn't really, I've never fit into one genre. I've always been kind of multi-genre. And we appreciate that about you. So the TSO is proud to be celebrating 150 years of Canadian music in 2017. What is that term, speaking of uh, classifications, what does Canadian music mean to you? Oh, gosh. To me, it's always been a little bit more personal, Uh, not just because of my identification with Canada, but like I used to hang around with Leonard Cohen a little bit, and his music music and his words, they just weren't like anybody else's. Joni, too, you know. um, uh, I was already kind of famous um, when Joni was first coming up, and I carried her cassette around in my purse for months and months and months just trying to get the record industry to be interested and of course they weren't no they didn't care they went they wanted whatever earned them a bunch of money last year you know uh and eventually uh, i brought her cassette to um a guy in um, my agency office and he, that was elliot roberts and he and Joni made a great career together so um i don't know the the uh canadian artists that i've um really loved have reflected something that <laughs> You know, we're always trying to define it as as Canadian, and I don't know. I I've always felt it was very special. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, I've had the pleasure of not being that famous all the time. <laughs> it kind of comes and goes, being goes a human up being and down as well. Yeah, yeah, and consequently, I've I've been able to go to uh, parts of Canada that, uh, you know, if if you're nothing but hot, successful, and making gazillions of dollars, you're not even going to see most of Canada. But over a 50-year career, I mean, I've been to some very, very beautiful small communities all over Canada, as well as the great cities, you know. And I tell you, we have a wonderful country, a wonderful country. That we do. Buffy St. Marie, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. All the TSO musicians are so excited to collaborate and play some music with you. Oh, me too. I just can't wait. Thanks for joining us. Thank you too, Jeff. That was singer-songwriter Buffy St. Marie. That brings us to the end of this week's TSO podcast. Don't forget, let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to community at tso.ca or leave a note on our Facebook or Twitter pages. For more music and stories from the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, join us on Sunday night with the TSO. That's every Sunday at 8 p.m. on the new Classical FM. I'm Kathleen Kajioka. Join us next Monday for another episode of the TSO podcast.